Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast, Octopulse. I'm Mark Faulkner, Assistant Sports Editor at the Detroit News, and I'm joined by Red Wings beat reporter Ted Culfin, who is back from Grand Rapids for this minor league update during the NHL All-Star break. And Ted, it's our first Zoom conference call. You're at home now. I'm here in the studios in downtown Detroit. How is the trip to Grand Rapids? Well, first off, Mark, thank goodness there's no video involved because I haven't shaved in about <laughs> three and a half weeks and haven't showered in, in days. So it's, it's a good thing nobody can pick me up video-wise. That's yeah, no video, just, just audio today. <laughs> I'm growing my all-star break beard. That's, what it is. <laughs> well, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. And you're sticking to it. That's awesome. The first person you profiled uh, coming out of the Grand Rapids practice on game day when you were up in Grand Rapids was Marit Sider. So can you tell us a bit about what you think and what Ben Simon, the coach of Grand Rapids, said about Sider, who was Steve Eisenman's first real draft choice, the sixth choice overall? I mean, the mood within the organization still seems very optimistic about him. I mean, he's played good hockey, played beyond his 18 years of age, uh, seems very poised and confident with the puck. I think they're very, everybody's very optimistic about him. He had, a, he had a very good World Junior tournament. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes up for a brief, what is a nine-game spell with the Wings. I think that could be in the offing here these next couple months. Uh, again, I think very, everybody's very enthused about his progress. Ted, what did you learn talking with Maurice? No, I think the thing that stands out, Mark, is just his maturity. I mean, it, it seems like he's 18 going on 25 or so, and that seems to be the, genu- the general uh, feeling about him, just the way he carries himself, the way he's composed. Uh, just very impressive for a young 18-year-old, way beyond his age. Another player that you talked to was Joe Valeno, the first-round pick from the previous year when Ken Holland selected Valeno. Tell us a bit about his progress as well. What did you learn about Valeno? He hasn't progressed probably as quickly as Cider has this year. I know he had a really rough start at the, in the early going. I mean, he kind of admitted to the fact that it was quite the adjustment going from junior to pro. Uh, I think they're very pleased with the way he's developed here lately. Uh, good, heady player, has a good hockey instincts. But he still has room to grow, obviously, physically, especially. Uh, but he's playing better with the puck. He's making good decisions, better decisions. I think he's adapting to the pro game. But it's going to take a little bit of time. I think you might see him here in the second half of the season with the wings, similar to Cider. But I don't think it's a given that he's going to be called up. But uh, considering, again, he had a really good junior tournament. And that was an interesting fact, too, as far as in the, at the World Juniors, he played on the line with Alexis Lafreniere, who probably is going to be the number one overall pick. And it's funny, they were joking about the fact that those two could be together at some mm-hmm. point with the Red Wings. So that's something to look out for. And by the way, he was very impressed with Lafreniere. He thinks he's definitely going to be an impact player in the NHL. But again, I mean, as far as Valeno, I think there's – there's optimism and there's hope for the future. I think it's just going a little slower than than a guy like Cider. And Ted, the other player that you talked to uh, as well is Michael Rasmussen, the former first round draft choice. What did Ben Simon say about Rasmussen's progress? The thing that uh, Ben 
was adamant about was the fact how Rasmussen came down there with a really good attitude. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you hear about or see these kids getting sent back down and, you know, they're going to be pouting. They're going to be pointed, um, upset. But Simon said there really was nothing as far as that goes with Rasmussen. He came down with a good attitude. He was put, he put in the work and, when he's played there, he's been very effective. That's been the problem, though. Two full months with an undisclosed injury. Some people are speculating that it may be in a back injury. Mm -hmm. Cost him a lot of time, obviously. I mean, he missed two games. He's only played 18 games down there. The 18 games he's played, he's looked pretty good. But he's also missed a lot of ice time. So that's going to stall his development shortly. I mean, for the, for the short term. Um they sent him down there, wanting him to get readjusted to playing center. They envisioned the him as a center down the line. Uh, I mean, there's some attributes there. He's six foot six. He's big, strong. He's effective around the net. They view him as a shutdown center here in the future. And I think there's still a lot of optimism. He's going to be a good prospect for them down the line. And Ted, were there any other observations before we hear an interview with the Grand Rapids assistant coach, Mike Knubel? Anything else about um, what was going on with the, with the team? They're tied for fourth. They could get in the playoffs. They're at 500, 20, 22, and four. They have the third worst defensive record, though, of the 31 teams. So that has to be a bit of a concern. But any other observations about the team, which has had as many as eight first-round draft picks in the lineup. Oh, Mark, they want to make the playoffs. That's the, that's the big thing. They want to make the playoffs. Uh, they're in a dogfight, no question about it. I mean, they're trying to make hay right now with, I think it's a, they're in the midst of an eight- or nine-game homestand. It's really big. Um, they're playing good hockey, better hockey. But they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna miss a Philip Sedina. They're gonna miss a Giovanni Smith. Sedina was they're one of their prime offensive forces. Uh, it's gonna be. It will be tough, and especially if they lose Cider for nine games to the Wings. That's one of their best defensemen. They need better goaltending. I mean, Calvin Picard's been fine, but he hasn't been. I don't think anybody said he's outstanding. Uh, it's a. It's gonna be a dogfight. I think they have the. They. I think they have the the pieces to do it but they do want to make the playoffs obviously it's a lot it's great for players young players development to make it into the mm -hmm. uh we'll see if they do i think i think there are there's reason to be optimistic optimistic i think a guy like rasmussen seems to be playing good better hockey now as he gets his feet underneath them but we'll see it's going to be interesting to watch all right, let's hear now from Mike Knubel, the assistant coach with the Griffins. I caught up with him at the All-American game last week in Plymouth. Joining us now is former NHL forward, former Red Wing, Mike Knubel. Mike, first of all, you're with the Grand Rapids Griffins, one of the assistant coaches. I'm wondering now, first year under Steve Eiserman, is the tone different? Is anything different from the past to now? Yeah, it seems. It's, I think there are a number of differences. I think um, number one is kind of a uh, change in attitude a little bit. Steve is very, uh, you know, it brings a different intensity than Kenny did. You know, Kenny was uh, a little more, um, uh, you know, a little more kind of laid back in our room. And everybody, you know, who Steve Eiserman is and, and what he did in his career, how he turned Tampa around, how what he did for Hockey Canada. So, um, you know, he's certainly a different take on things. I think there's been a real dedication. 
secondly, I think there's been a real dedication to developing the young players uh, as far as with Sean Horkoff, Dan Cleary, um, really getting their hands on them and applying, spending more money on skating coaches, skill development with Brandon Arado, like really a much more focus on these guys because you do have all these draft picks, but they're not going to do any good if none of them can make it. And, and you might have all these young guys, and granted, not everyone's going to make it to the NHL, but you got to figure out the four, three, four, five, I mean, you're trying to get as many as you can there that can be longtime members of the Red Wings. So there's been a lot more hands-on, I think, these guys, instead of letting them sit very much more, a uh, little bit more hands-on as far as uh, uh, people getting their touches with them, organized a little bit more heavy-duty physical fitness regimen they're on as far as monitoring uh, heart rates and progress and strength throughout the season um, all kinds of stuff so it's been a lot of stuff trying to figure out these guys that can get through here Mike that's really interesting and not that Ken Holland did things poorly or just a different way different styles absolutely absolutely there's a lot of ways to manage and and Ken had his way and it it was successful like there's no bones about it and he's doing the same thing in Edmonton and uh, uh, for Steve to come in he's gonna have a different management style and you know and sometimes you know it costs people jobs it does this and that and he's gonna change things the ways he sees it so um, and and that's the way it is so it's certainly a different like attitude he's really uh tightened things up as far as uh how he wants to run things and and very and keeps a lot of things uh he's very you know very strong opinions but rightfully so very strong opinions and you know you try and you know you try and work with it and and do your best to try and figure out which guys you're going to get out of grand rapids how has it affected your job then mike with you and ben simon yeah no i mean it's you know there's a like it's a different kind of uh, presence you know right now yep you know you're dealing with like a hall of famer and, and a different different presence and and so like you say very demanding lots of talk with ben you know talking all the time very much in communication and you know i don't know how much kenny talked to ben you know it's sometimes none of your business you know they kind of sure. make their phone calls and they talk and and but you know like ben you got to be ready all hours of the night it might come at 11 30 at night you never know you know so it's uh you know and steve brings that and then you throw in pat verbeek with him too and and so it's kind of his right hand man and pat and steve you know pat i mean a lot of the, you know he was an extremely intense player and he's an extreme extremely uh, intense NHL executive as well so um, you know there's been some reshuffling you know since Steve got in a reshuffling Chris Draper moved from away from Ken Holland uh, over to run the amateur scouting the Tyler, Tyler Wright go a few scouts were let go so there's been a shuffling around so I think by this point in the season people are organized they kind of get the feel of how they want to run things and and how they do their reports and what Steve wants from them and what information so everybody's had to adjust I mean probably from the top down it's just been an adjustment everybody adjusting to new personalities a new way of thinking and uh, a different kind of intensity you were a teammate of Steve Eisman's yeah. but now he's also so your boss. Yeah. So tell me, tell me what it was like when you were when you were playing with him. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and even the years prior, I, I, I was kind of thinking about leaving Michigan uh, to go, and so I come to visit the locker room, and you know, you see Steve Eisman, who's a giant on the ice, and then you you meet him in the locker room, and he wasn't the biggest guy, you know, and you're kind of like, well, wow, he plays so great, and he's not the biggest guy on the ice, and but anyway, so when you get there, you know, so when you get there, he's the type of guy that got a very sharp tongue. As, 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 a, as a player, extremely sharp tongue. Extremely sharp. So the teams were made different than, than they are now. The teams are very, very veteran-laden. You know, I think when I was trying to break in, there might have been seven or eight Hall of Famers you know, in the lineup, and you know, where am I going to fit in that? But anyway, so I kind of had a little bit of history that he knew I was a Michigan kid, local kid, you know, and stuff like that. So um, you, knew, you knew you better think first before you speak. And he's still got a little bit of that now. He still, I still pick up that presence now. And, and you know, you just can't be flying off the cuff saying something stupid. And you know, we had we had loud guys in that locker room: the Darren McCarty's, the Kirk Maltby's, the Drapers, the Joey Kosers, and 
he always remember he'd sit there quiet and then he'd like crack the whip and he put some of those guys who could be talking up and they talk and think they were running the room and then it'd be like boom right back down to size so um you know he's got a very sharp tongue like that and 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 uh and he's and, and but uh you know again like in michigan and grand rapids and detroit and all over the midwest here his presence uh is noted and you know when he's in the room any final thoughts then about that change of attitude the way things are certainly in grand rapids like you know they get the reports on the game and you know, it's, you know, I call Ben and be like, why, why is this guy? Why is this that? You know, a lot of, a lot of questions, which is great. I mean, it's, he's the boss. You got to answer these questions and then very in tune to, you know, who's playing well, you know, what if we bring him up, you know, this what we might send that guy down. I mean, he's, uh, you know, wanting to know about guys who are injured. How's their conditioning level? Very big on physical fitness, like wants guys in shape, you know, always was a workhorse as a player and certainly preaches it as a, as an executive too, that my guys won't be out of shape. And there's been a re real rededication to like the physical well-being of the of, of of not only the guys up but the prospects the guys in grand rapids and, and prospects even playing junior hockey they want to know exactly what kind of shape you're in you know they'll come out to test you they'll, they'll run things so he's very much into the physical fitness part so if you're kind of like a sloppy body and you don't take care of yourself but you have a really good way of of, of playing hockey you're probably not going to get end up being a draft pick of the red wings like he wants guys they you all know, that are in tip-top shape all the time and and uh and, and that and and if and if you can't buy in then you're going to have a hard time playing for the detroit red wings under his watch yeah i mean look look what i mean went off the board with most cider a little bit here you know oh, with the absolutely. sixth pick and you know people were scratching their heads and you know working with with mo and grand rapids like you know he's a young kid he's like he, you know, he's very you know he's 18 years old he's not even 19 years old yet but he's got a, a lot of swagger and he had something that steve liked and he's he's got a uh the young guy swagger and he's you know he believes in himself and he doesn't really ever have a bad day and he's got a mental makeup with him that he's you know having fun every day and, he, and he's working to get better now are there things that a laundry list that steve wants wants him to get done absolutely but there was something there that he said, I like this kid's moxie, I like his savviness, I like whatever about him, that the way the kid operates, and I like it. And so um, Mo's had a really good year. I, mean, I think he learned a lot in October, November, December, and then to go away from a world junior and then come back here. It's almost like he's beginning his season two. Even though it's a half a year, it's almost like the second year, and I'm sure like he's going to go like this because I think he comes back, he went home to Germany being homesick. I mean, every 18-year-old kid wants to go home and like, have mom's cooking every once in a while. You don't want to be gone for 10 months. You know, you don't want to go home and sleep in your own bed. And, and so I think he got a chance to do that post-World Junior and come back to Grand Rapids really refreshed for January, February, March. And, and be excited now is he going to get some games this year who knows you know that's the that's their decision and and they'll have their reasons to do that and i'm sure they'll probably give him a sniff I, if i was a betting man you know and some of the young guys joe valeno probably get a probably get a get a sniff up there too so um they want to reward them and for their for their play and and their hard work this year and, and we'll give you a shot and, and let you wear the jersey and then we'll give you a taste and send you home hungry for the summer and then you kind of we want you to come back in september and try to win a spot and so there's all you know There'll all be a little bit of plan in place, like, hey, we're going to get to you. We're going to give you a little taste of it. We'll send you home. You work your rear end off in the summertime. If you stay in Detroit, you go home wherever you go, and then come in September and fight for a job and, and then hopefully never go back to the American League. Okay, that's Mike Knubel, the assistant coach with the Grand Rapids Griffins. They've just completed their All-Star break, which takes us to Tyler Bertuzzi, who was at the NHL All-Star game. And you wrote a story about Tyler Bertuzzi and his development. Can you talk a bit about that story and what you learned about how far he's come since, uh, well, going back to the 2017 season, Bertuzzi was the 
MVP when the Griffins won the Calder Cup? I'm not sure how many people probably, <laughs> I don't think there's too many people that expected Tyler Bertuzzi to be their Wings All-Star representative two years later. Uh, but good for him. I mean, developed, he's developed nicely, he's progressed, he's become a really gritty, good net front player, can play in a variety of roles for Coach Chef Blaschel. Uh, I, I think everybody around there is just enthused by the way that he's come along. Uh, he's If it wasn't for the fact that every player, every team had to be represented, mm-hmm. would the Wings have a representative? Probably not at this year's All-Star game. I doubt it very seriously. But, you know, at one team, has to, at least every team has to be represented by one player. I think Bertuzzi was definitely that player. But he was the most consistent player throughout the first half. Good for him. I think he deserved it to be there. Um, probably deep down would have preferred to be on the beach somewhere in Florida or the Caribbean, as most of most of them do. But uh, good for him that he was down there. I think he's. It's shown the development of him as a player. It really has. Here he is now talking a bit about the experience of playing in the All-Star game, a game in which they uh, lost by one goal and Bertuzzi had a goal and four assists. Yeah, you can kind of tell early on it's kind of just shinny and then it kind of starts heating up uh, when it gets close. Um, you know, but there are two, you know, two good games. It was a lot of fun, you know, just kind of playing some, uh, you know, some three-on-three out there. Ted, what about the Red Wings moving forward? Uh, they're coming out of the break Friday in New York, and then back here against the Rangers on Saturday, a rare home-and-home series. What are your thoughts about the Wings playing after the All-Star break? Well, you know, Mark, it can't be any worse than the quality of the All-Star game, let me tell you. (laughs) As bad as that All-Star game was. Uh, No, I mean, yeah, it's going to take – but the the team they're playing against, the Rangers, are also in the same boat. They will and have not played for a week. I saw a couple places where statistically the Wings are going to face either, what, the first or second toughest schedule of any team in the league. So that's just great news for the Wings, I'm sure. Uh, they're going to have to get healthy. Evidently, Athens View is close to returning. I think we're going to see Jonathan Bernier probably back within the next week, I would think. Uh, Mike Green probably the next week or two after that. So they're getting a little healthier. They're going to need all hands on deck because some tough, tough teams here in the offing, some tough trips actually too. So it's going to be, a, it'll be a difficult, difficult go, but hopefully, you know, for their sake, maybe the, this break re, re-energized them, refresh them. It's been a lot of hockey, but still, there's still a lot, there's still a grind to go here. Last year, when the season was virtually over, the team finished strong. Do you have any thoughts about what Eisenman and Blaschel are expecting the rest of the way? I think you're just gonna you're just trying to see these the the per, the development of some of these young players, the continued development. You're hoping for progress. I mean, obviously that was the last what happened last year, and what often happens in those cases. It's a mirage. I mean, the teams mm-hmm. playing a lot of teams who aren't really preparing they're preparing eyeing more toward the playoffs at that point um wings got on a little bit of a roll playing teams who didn't weren't really you know they were locked into their positions in the playoffs and you know they just took advantage of it i think you just want you want to see some sort of progress some personal in terms of these young players some continued development you want to see competitiveness hard work and for the and 
for the most part, they've done that. I mean, Blaschel has ex- extracted some good stuff in that regard from this team. We'll see what happens. I mean, you got 31, I think it's 31 more games to go. Um, you don't want to see any blowouts. You don't want to see any continued long losing streaks. You want to see some victories. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, mm-hmm. I think there's there's plenty of time here to for a lot of these ki- guys to show, to turn around their seasons. Like at FNCU, it's been such a struggle for him this season. He's got time to come back and rebound a little bit. Dylan Larkin played well before the break. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether Mantha returns. I mean, there's kind of Jeff Blaschel kind of hinted before the break that Mantha could be done for the season, which would be a tough blow for him. Um, he was having a good year. So you want to see some of the guys get healthy, some of the veterans here like Mike Green, Trevor Daly. You want them to get healthy before the trade deadline. Maybe they can extract a draft pick from another team. So there'll be, there's definitely some issues coming up here to be resolved. And that'll wrap up today's podcast, our first Zoom podcast. The next time we'll be back at Little Caesars Arena on Monday when the Flyers are in town. So I'll see you then back at Little Caesars. See you then, Mark. <laughs>